ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diet Time is here. That's right, we're talking about Anaconda on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet Troll Bell Patrick Hampton, coming to you once again from the mysterious Amazon. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, and wouldn't you know it, we're in the middle of uh, Animal Attacks April. And that means we're talking about Animal Attacks movies all month long in the hopes that a uh, nubile documentarian's unlikely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust that uh, if I am going up a chimney, she will make sure to light a fire hose on fire somehow. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I'm good. I, I, yeah, I think I would come up with at least uh, something as dumb as, as the people in this movie to come up with to escape from peril. I find it, I mean, it's nice that it's kind of a two-hander uh, in terms of them rescuing themselves. I, I was slightly disappointed that the final denouement is given to Ice Cube rather than Jennifer Lopez. I, I don't know. She could pick up a fucking axe. Like, let her, <laughs> let her kill something. Yeah, but she's the girl. She has to be rescued. Yeah, but Ice Cube picks up a net with his feet. Um, <laughs> like, he's given plenty of opportunity to be heroic in this thing. He's bit twice. And he's still swinging axes? Come the fuck on. I don't know. Does the anaconda have teeth, really? Or- well, you know, I, I think that that we kind of have to, in order to, to quote-unquote, enjoy this movie, <laughs> right? Uh, we have to set aside any notion of what, snakes can and can't actually do sure right yeah, yeah. um because the in addition to being very very large <laughs> yes. this, this is a very large boy he's um, a big boy yeah. and there actually there's two large boys we find out there there is the one large boy and then there's the the very standard surprise is an even larger boy <laughs> but uh in addition to their unusual size it's snakes of unusual size yes yes um which it's plausible. I, I don't profess to know anything about the Amazon. I, I imagine things could grow large there. Why not? Like, it's, it's it's not the wildest thing in nature. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Who cares? I mean, maybe their water's poisoned with mercury. I don't know. But um, from the nearby paper mill. Sure. <laughs> but I am pretty sure that snakes do not scream. Yeah. Nor, do, nor do they launch themselves at people. <laughs> I, I mean... The launching at people, I think, might be the thing I actually enjoy about the snake. The screeching and screaming, I, I kept writing down, why does this snake sound like a Scooby-Doo villain? And then I learned that those screeches and screams were created by Frank Welker, Frank the man Welker. who voices Scooby-fucking-Doo. The voice of quality, Frank <laughs> Welker. It just reminds me, it reminds me of how uh, in um, Jaws of Revenge, the shark mm-hmm. could roar Oh yeah, underwater. Sure. Which is pretty fucking remarkable when you, he's when you, so, when you he's think about it. He's such a mad boy, that shark. He's so mad. I, I think that the snake is supposed to be striking, like a, sure. like a, like, you know, a snake does. But yeah. it is, it is definitely getting some air. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> It's like it's like propelling itself around. Yeah, it's acting like um, actual. If I could compare it once again to Scooby Doo, occasionally he will coil his tail and bounce on it. Yes, and that's kind of what the snake does. Yes, exactly. 
just kind of boings wherever he wishes to go, which I guess might make sense in some universe. In the Anaconda universe, that's the only place it makes sense. I it, can, it can also move. It can also move vertically without actually being on anything. Which, which also, I don't think they can do that. I think they have to have something supporting them if they are moving upward. Right, because it's heavy. It's not. Right. And sometimes the snake in this is kind of light as, as air. And sometimes when it's the puppet, when, when I think it's the best it can be, because I love a good puppet. When it's the puppet, it kind of is so heavy. You're wondering, like, I think I could outrun this. I think I could outwalk this. But it's doing it's, it's, it's a little, come here, baby, kind of wrap around <laughs> thing. <laughs> Lay one on me. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. Uh, Anaconda was released in April of 1997 which seems like a weird this seems like a straight up summer b-movie like if you had told me that this had been released in august i think it would have made a hundred million dollars oh i mean it did fine it, it, yeah. it, it just fine the block the box office yeah it made its money back it ended up having a sequel i think one in theater sequel and a couple direct-to-video sequels but they certainly cast it with the best that 1997 could provide with yep. one terrible yep. exception. Yeah, we we need to point out here that everybody <laughs> is in this movie. <laughs> Every single actor that you have ever seen is in this is in Anaconda. <laughs> they just keep rolling up and you think surely this will be the last character I'm introduced to. Nope, it's just going to keep going. Like, it's sort of like the Poseidon adventure on a much smaller boat. <laughs> Uh, with fewer tearaway dresses and less bras. Um, this is one of those uh, underwearless movies. It's not as underwearless as Josie and the Pussycats, but, you know, not every movie can be perfect. But it's decidedly anti-underwear. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're going down the Amazon, which, you know, I, I understand probably, you know, is pretty heavy with mosquitoes. And everybody's just walking around these little in little you know, crop tops and booty shorts <laughs> You know, and just, you know, T-shirts with nothing covering their arms. And it's just like, my God, people, you should be covered in welts. <laughs> I was itching just watching. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll get to it. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. And that is with two paragraphs that you have to read before the credits even roll. Like, you know you're in good hands when there's a reading assignment before the movie begins. And has nothing to do with like a prophecy or anything like that. <laughs> no, just informing you that in the Amazon, there are monstrous fucking snakes. And also they will eat you and then regurgitate you. That's important. For that is be important. Because it, because it relates to the only scene from this movie that anybody remembers. Right. Because it's fucking awesome. It's when the movie finally becomes really, really good. And you kind of wish it was more that than what it actually is. I mean, it's fine. It's a, it's a B movie. That's all it's trying to be. It's just like be a movie in theaters you could see and eat popcorn. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a, a, a rash of late 90s sort of disaster adventure movies. And, yeah. and, and you know, none of them were very good. I mean, th this is definitely trying to kind of coast on that Jurassic Park thing a little bit. It's trying to be a bit of a throwback. It's also kind of a slasher. <laughs> A little bit, too, yeah. A little there's bit. There's too many fucking characters in the movie. Like, Jason X is kind of like, oh, they're hot on our tail. We better hire 15 more people to outpace Anaconda. 
we also are introduced to the score of Randy Edelman. Now, normally I, I, I tend not to talk about scores, but this is particularly egregious. Not only is there an overabundance of pan flute, I mean, well, you know, they're the, the, the land of mystical brown people <laughs> and it's communicating it. But the vast majority of the time, it sounds like Randy has just rolled a can of soup over a Casio constantly. <laughs> it's, it's not so much movie as it is constant weird tones. <laughs> and we sort of come face to face with the first hurdle that Anaconda can't quite clear. And that is it decides to dub Danny Trejo. Yeah, a, a mustacheless Danny Trejo, which I did not like. <laughs> I, I found that very unsettling. To see his upper lip felt like you were seeing maybe something forbidden. Yes, exactly. I don't know why they feel the need for Danny to be portraying a, a Portuguese poacher. Like, couldn't he? I would just rather hear Danny you're, Trejo. You're you're asking that, and 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 when we also have John Voight as a as a Paraguayan poacher. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, there are so many dick fingers around Paraguayan. Uh, <laughs> with that, uh, we will get to it because if we start jumping characters, we'll never fucking get anywhere. Well, yeah, because there's like 37 characters in this. <laughs> but Danny Trejo, he, he just. He hears something in the water and he doesn't like it. He's surrounded by a bunch of, of animals in cages. We get a very clear close-up of a newspaper that has been cut, a newspaper article that's been cut out that reads, A Procura de Anacondas. <laughs> and I don't know why anacondas are capitalized, but Procura is not. That might be a Portuguese thing, for all I know. I don't know how Portuguese newspapers work, but that just was weird to me but it it really does take some balls to start your movie where jaws ends right <laughs> right 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 crawling up the the highest mast of a of a ship and then like well i could get eaten or i could shoot myself and that's what he does yeah i i don't know i okay again i i've never been to the amazon um i know that they have and and uh another one of the 37 characters mentions later uh that they have these little fishies in the water that will show up your urethra right i, I think that i would take a chance uh at swimming away i i don't I mean it's a it, it's a river so yeah. eventually you're probably going to hit a shoreline fairly quickly sure. yeah yes absolutely no 100 you're, you're m much more likely to come out of the water you know riddled with leeches but you can deal with that. And But Danny's like, no, I'm not going out like that. I'm not going to be swallowed by an anaconda. So he shoots himself. And so we cut to the Arayu Jungle Hotel in Brazil. And underneath that, it says, deep in the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I, thank you. <laughs> I, mean, I get it. I, this entire thing is about the Amazon. I'm. I'm pretty sure I could have picked that one up with context clues. This movie just doesn't know what to capitalize. And then J-Lo hears a noise. J-Lo is playing a character by the name of Terry. Uh, she's all business and business is locating mysterious tribes in the Amazon, deep in the Amazon. Yeah. All business, no undies. <laughs> no, not at all. Someone has uh, aggressively, as we discovered in Scream 2, there was some sort of, 
militant overthrow of the eyebrow industrial complex, and no one was allowed to have real eyebrows. And a person who has beautiful eyebrows, we are denied them for this entire film. She's given a, a pencil line. Is this her first? Is this before or after Selena? This is like one of her first major roles, right? This is definitely one of her first major roles, but I don't know if it is before or after Selena. That's a really good question. But she's not bad. I mean, you know, she's, she's, oh, she's, she's perfectly fine. She's fine. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I think where Jennifer Lopez has traditionally, you know, come into trouble is when she's been forced into a weird role in a romantic comedy. I think that undid her career for a little while because it's not like I don't want to see Jennifer Lopez kissing people. Obviously, I want to see Jennifer Lopez kissing people. But for a long time, she was just locked into these terrible, like the worst possible version of a romantic comedy. Um, I brought up her credits and immediately went to producer. And guess what? She's produced a lot of things. This is the same year as Selena. Selena actually came out just before this. Okay. So she had very pronounced eyebrows in Selena. And someone got her on the set of Anaconda and said, we need to fix this incredibly beautiful person. And then that's what they did to her. We don't think you look enough like a like a uh, a, a documentary and film documentary filmmaker. Let's pluck your eyebrows to submission. Yeah, no one at USC has eyebrows. Let's take care of that right away. And so, uh, it at the door, uh, we learn is Doctor Stephen Kale, and he's been talking to guides like a doctor. We will learn that uh, Eric Stoltz is very hairless in this motion picture because oh yeah he's like he's like a, he is like a fetus <laughs> and 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 can I just say that I think that Eric Stoltz and Jennifer Lopez have reached a new low for <laughs> for us at least in this program uh-huh. in negative chemistry yeah it is real unfortunate like the re- the reveal like like later like in the movie that they that they were a couple and are i guess they're trying to work things out it changes nothing it it, <laughs> it changes nothing about their interactions it it, yeah. it it changes nothing about their you know how it invested the the audience is and you know him you know finding this this mystical tribe he's looking for it just you know it's it, it almost feels like the the screenwriter said well you know what Actually, I changed my mind. Let's make it be. A, let's make it be a couple. Yeah, there's no. There's the only way to justify that Terry is a documentarian, because otherwise you would be fooled by the rocks that and, she got, and then he would hire her. Right. Yeah. You know, there has to has to be another reason that he would hire her. Oh, she's his ex girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. And it's like yeah. number one. I mean, you're going to be stuck on a boat in the Amazon with your ex girlfriend. Yeah, and and it's like she can she can care for him as a human being. They could be friends. I mean, yeah. Or, 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 you know, worked together before, but, you know, this, this, you know, second act, you know, you know, oh, I missed you. It's like, wait, you guys were a couple? Okay, because I did not get that impression at all. No, when they're looking at fireflies, can't you feel the sexual heat between them? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, I thought that he was attempting, I mean, I have seen this before, but again, yeah. I, I, probably saw it when it came out on dvd or something but but sure you know i i didn't remember a lot of it and i thought he was trying to flirt with her and and i and i thought this was supposed to be like comedy and (laughs) and and 
know, he is trying to flirt with her, but then, oh, remember when we used to be like that? You know? <laughs> it's like, ew. Gross. <laughs> Don't compare me to a flying insect whose butt lights up. Well, like, there's better comparisons. Like, that, that was the best moment you had is when you saw one another, your butts would light up? I mean, come on. She's all right. He's terrible in this. Yes. He he it, just he looks he looks embarrassed to be there. Like he did like he like neglected to read the script before he before he signed the contract. He's just irritated and pale and he doesn't like the heat. And I'm the same fucking way. And that's why I turned down this role that no one offered to me. But <laughs> yeah, I mean he, I I buy him as a scientist. I, I do not buy him as a scientist whose specialty is is you know working with you know, isolated tribes in, in, no. in South America. No. The most authoritarian he comes across is when he talks about the vampire shit, uh the vampire shit, the vampire fish uh, shooting up his weehaw and uh when he's having a, a, an argument with John Voigt. And that's that's where he kind of shines, and then thankfully. He gets stung in the throat and he falls asleep like Sleeping Beauty for the vast majority of the movie. Because they realize, oh shit, we have too many characters. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, the 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 wackiest fucking thing here is that like some producer thought we've got to figure out a way to take Eric Stoltz off the map because if he's on screen, no one else will be credible coming up with a decision. Like what? <laughs> i'm not sure that's a you're you're creating a problem that is not there but okay uh let's get through the rest of this unbelievable amount of characters let's so, unfurl the scroll and uh, <laughs> and uh, talk this, about the other characters yes this uh, uh, amazing star wars like intro <laughs> the yellow type is just cascading towards the stars with nothing but the names of people and characters in this movie <laughs> Uh, we are introduced to Ice Cube as the most inexplicable Danny I've ever met in the entire world. I would never look at Ice Cube and go, oh, that's a Danny. He's a Danny. Uh, he's toe, perfectly... to, toe to tip, that's a Danny. <laughs> we, I just looked and we got ourselves a Danny. And he's Ice Cube. And then we meet the ship's captain, uh, the McKella One, and his name is Mateo. And like most uh, Brazilian men at the time, he was working a Rachel cut and it looks great on him. <laughs> we know his name is Mateo because the char various characters say it at least 47 times. Yes. If you were drinking every time someone said Mateo, you would be dead before a snake attack. <laughs> Enter Westridge. Uh, and I, I thought I was going to keep count of the amount of times he said, my God, because I, we've rarely met a character who's more "Are we British then?" than Westridge. Yeah, I, I, he's, a, I guess he's the the narrator of of the documentary. I don't know why they need one. Why would you want him on camera? That's a job for someone to do voiceover with. Yeah, you you loop fact. you loop that over later, don't you? I mean, yes. I, I don't profess to know how this works, but you know, it would seem to me that you know you would record someone as they're looking at the footage, not you know. Yeah. You know, not a you are you are here kind of thing. Yeah, I, but yeah, it, he it, he he's uh played by uh he was he was in Titanic the same year. Uh, yes, also extremely British in that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he you Jonathan know, Hyde is his name. He yeah. goes on this you know this Amazon trek with like a case of wine and some golf clubs. <laughs> At one point, he drinks out of a silver goblet. 
It's a very odd performance. And, he, and he's just he's just knocking golf balls into this pristine Amazon river. And no Only one, no when he's listening to uh to opera because yeah, when he's and listening to Mac Ten, he can't concentrate. Yet. Everybody's everybody's really concerned about what you know snake hunting is going to do to the environment, but it's you know it's it's all right for him to be plonking golf balls into the water. <laughs> sometimes he uses a net, but sometimes he hits it straight into uh, the river after ricocheting it off of a pipe in front of him. <laughs> I, I would have really I would have really loved to have seen. They, they should have one thing I think that that would have improved the viewing experience for me mm-hmm. is if they had there are a couple moments where you could tell they're trying to be funny like like there there is a character who later in the film he he gets killed by the snake and he is swallowed and it is filmed from this the inside of the snake's mouth sure so it sort of looks like the scene in little shop of horrors where where you could see like the mouth like like singing along to the you'll be a dentist song <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yes, I do. But there's not enough scenes like that, and and yeah. and I think it would have been really funny to have have him. Uh, was it Wentworth? Uh, it is Westridge. Westridge, you know, plonking a golf ball, and then like it just like hits some native in the head, and like he just kind of <laughs> he just kind of sitting there with like you're know, just surrounded by golf balls like on the ground. Just he just like just absolutely just just be you a know, blank face of sitting there, you know, ball hits him in the head. <laughs> Or have it ricochet off the snake, you know, like <laughs> have the snake, like he's just like, ah, and it goes right down his gullet. And he's like, who did that? Where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he hired Frank Welker and not me. He's the master of sound. I sound like a dipshit next to Frank Welker. Uh, but wait, we're not done yet. MTV's Kari Wurr makes an appearance for some here. for some reason. As the one person, one woman who was allowed to keep her eyebrows, uh, she plays Denise, who arrives complete with a backwards baseball cap. To remind you, she's not the bellhop. She's the production manager on a boat in the Amazon. That's where you need one. <laughs> uh, sure and okay. she is there to fuck her boyfriend she am i don't know if their boyfriends be, be boyfriend girlfriend beforehand i i think they that love blossoms under the amazonian sky love love blossoms under the mosquito tent sure absolutely um at, kari were is just one of those performers whom i, I when so, something is said about her in another movie and anytime she appears i think about it and it's not good but I just have to say it so that it's not in my head. It's from the movie, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. You know. Good Lord. <laughs> everyone's favorite movie, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. In it, Morris Day owns this rock club and Kari Wurr is a waitress in it. And she delivers drinks to the table and Morris Day turns to Andrew Dice Clay and says, as, as she's walking away, says, with a dress like that, you have to get two haircuts. And I was confounded by this fucking sentence. I just could not figure out what the fuck they were talking about. And I was I was old enough to know better, but I could not grok how this complex Morris Day jab worked. Uh, and when I did, I have eternally felt embarrassment and shame. And so if, what, what is a podcast if not to share that shame with everyone else? 
Now you know it. I mean, it took me, it, it took me a, a, a minute to get it. <laughs> and you didn't even see the dress she was wearing. Which and, now, and, now, dress. and now I'm sorry. <laughs> we will not be covering the adventures of Ford and Fairlane on this podcast. No. Just so everyone knows. Well, unless someone, yeah, on the $10 level asks us to, and then I guess. I, I guess. But uh, we're not going to put that idea in your head. There's a, a lot of nonsense in that movie that I don't want to talk about. But who Yeah, knows? we'd really have to go deep on the, you know, our, our childhoods were bad, the things we watched were bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then, wow, it's a very young and shaggy Owen Wilson. Oh, and, and, he's, and he's bad. He's oh, really he's bad in this. <laughs> He's fucking terrible in this. Like, it, it, you, he's not really convincing as a carbon-based human being no. in this film. He, he's ostensibly the sound guy. <laughs> but he doesn't seem like a sound guy because he's not uh, smoking and complaining about the union, which is every sound guy I've had experience with. Maybe, maybe that's just me. He's only seen being a sound guy once, and, and, and he gets distracted by wanting to have sex with Carrie Worth. Well, who amongst us wouldn't be distracted by that? <laughs> and so now that all of these characters have assembled on one boat, don't worry, folks, we're not done yet. They just sail off. There's so much fucking ADR. Like no one could catch for a movie with a sound guy in it. No one could catch natural sound. But uh, we get a real jaunty sailing uh, theme. And the question, of course, is at this point in the motion picture, does the jungle really make you horny well does it baby yeah i, I can't even imagine how it could <laughs> I, it's so it's just, sweaty it's so hot and sweaty and there are bugs how could you even hey, listen i'm not to say it will, wouldn't make anyone horny but i'm here to tell you it certainly no part of it in, in either abstract or in reality makes me horny also where are you doing this at you're 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 on a boat with like 12 other people well, their solution is to go off the boat into the fucking jungle. Literally, the fucking jungle. But there are like wild boars and shit. I know. Here's the good news about wild boar, though. It's very tasty. I mean, I'm sure it is. It is you delicious. Get a little, get, get, get a little, little BBQ sauce, maybe, mm-hmm. a little, maybe a little shake and bake. You, you got yourself a deal there. <laughs> shake and bake. It's an application few use for that. Yes, I'm now being interrupted by my 10-year-old Oliver Hamilton. What? No one can see you dancing, so that there's no point in that. This is not a video podcast, thank God. I have been instructed by your mother and the person you were playing with that you need to take a shower immediately. So that is now your job. Sure. Okay? Please close the door behind you. Thank you for visiting. I hope you had a good time. I don't like being called captain and I don't like being called boss. <laughs> I don't want your kid is kind of funny. <laughs> he is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's the two of us. Like it was going to happen. Sure thing, boss. <laughs> uh, so on their journey upstream, why not add another character to the mix? And of course it's the sperm donor of Angelina Jolie and right-wing authoritarian Stan, John Voigt, as Paul. Paul Cerrone from <laughs> Paraguay, to which I say, no, you're fucking not. <laughs> His idea of people from Paraguay is, is that they scowl a lot, and I'm not entirely sure that that is uh, a 
an accurate portrait of the Paraguayan people. They they scowl. They kind of make a face that suggests that that they are falling asleep. <laughs> it has been said that John Voigt in this movie is doing the most, and my counter argument to that is that John Voigt in this movie is doing the worst. Oh yeah, he is. He he, you know, he's trying to do he he this is gonna be his quint, I think. You know, he read the <laughs> he read the script, he's like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna take this over. I'm the you know, mm-hmm. I'm sort of I'm the villain, but I'm also sort of the only person that knows what's going on. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. yeah, I'm gonna, you know, slather on that ham that, that ham nice and thick. <laughs> he's and to quote another podcast, he is swimming in the river of ham. The other thing that he is is announcing something that when it is said aloud, I laughed. I had to pause the movie. I laughed for a full minute. He stabs into the water with a spear, pulls out a fish and goes fish river style. <laughs> now <laughs> I will grant you this is different than fish ocean style or fish lake style, but that's not really like your, what it, it you pull the fish out of the fucking river. Of course, it's fish river style. That's not. No, you're not adding new information to this. Also, yeah, what was everybody eating before that point? Uh, I assume that they had brought food because when we see the tiny kitchen, it is stocked with food. Hmm. Maybe along the way, he's like, "Well, I'm gonna earn my keep. Let's stop for half an hour and allow me to spear a fish." I'm just like, I, I'm so distracted by his greasy little ponytail that, that oh like, this is a whole look that he, that, that, that he has put together for this character. And I feel like he completely designed it. Like, like he, he, <laughs> you know, he, like Paul Cerrone. I mean, that, you know, that could be from anywhere. You know I mean? It sounds, could be Hispanic, could be Italian. We don't know. Um, oh, he's from another region. He's from, uh, you know, universe X. There's but, no way. But I think that he. I think that he showed up, you know, for the first day of shooting with this little ponytail, yeah. uh, you know, his little work pants, and with this absolutely implacable accent. Yes. And I would try to recreate that accent because, of course, longtime listeners of Kill by Kill will know I'm excellent with accents. But I feel that every time he speaks, particularly the phrase people of the mist, feels like a racist jab, whether intentional <laughs> or not. It yeah, just, it's a little like it's a little French his mm, accent. Um, sure. Now again, I I don't think I've ever actually heard someone who's actually is from Para, from Paraguay speak. Yeah. Um, but I this does not sound like like Central American or South American to me. It 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 sounds kind of sort of amalgam of various European countries. It sounded like an accent he picked up by watching a John Wayne movie. It doesn't seem real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It definitely. It's absolutely artificial. And, and yeah. you know, I, I, it doesn't sound like he's from anywhere. No. Uh, so after, I mean, there's no plot to this movie. They they sail up the river. They, yeah. They are trying to find this 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 uh, isolated tribe. I guess they're going to research them, and then the make Jennifer, a documentary. Jennifer Lopez them. is there for to make a documentary. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, uh, John Boyd's character, his his boat is stranded, and he gets on the boat, and it turns out that he's looking, he's a poacher, and <laughs> and he's going to, you know, he's trying to find this legendary giant anaconda, yeah. which which proceeds to show up right on time and start killing people. 
No, it's like it senses that he's returned to the Amazon. It's like, oh, finally, I'm going to eat that guy. And right. he's like, like, oh, I'm finally going to get that snake that wants to eat me. Right. Like, again, they're, they're trying for a little, little, you know, a little bit of Jaws. Yes. Yeah, you know, where, where there's some sort of, like, personal beef between <laughs> this hunter and, and and this this animal who probably doesn't really know anything except you know you know being hungry or being tired. Yes, I mean I, I do appreciate that they they don't make it some sort of the 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 this anaconda is the protector of the Amazon and knows that he has sinned against the wilderness and will take. Well, sort of. Him. Well, sort of. I mean, they do pass that that uh, the uh, the totem. Yes, but that's also underlying the fact that they're trying to find this one lost tribe. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. So about 15 minutes in, we get our first snack. Not as fast as slugs, but this is pretty fast in comparison to like prophecy, where we we really don't get to see mutant bear for a while. But this leads to one of the best sequences in the entire film, and that is hot puppet on puppet action between a panther and this snake puppet <laughs> they, <laughs> they struggle in the darkness and then the <laughs> the cat puppet is squeezed so hard there's a look of surprise like someone just yelled happy birthday and threw streamers up in the air and then his eye pops out and bye-bye uh, panther yeah that's the most tragic death in the whole movie uh, that panther, all that panther was doing was trying to live its life. I like that honestly. panther. No, it was great. It's a great panther. It's a great panther puppet. Uh, it, 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 unfortunately, it's not playing the John Voight role. If that panther puppet was playing the John Voight role, I think this would be an A plus <laughs> plus. Complete with the little ponytail. So yeah, we get to see this snack totem, uh, totem uh, as they pass it, and then. It's, you know, briefly introduced that perhaps Paul does not have the best of intentions concerning this cruise when he tries to divert them into this one river that he says, you know, this is where the tribe would have gone because the river has has risen. And uh, then uh, he's quickly rebuffed uh, by uh, Dr. Eric Stoltz. He says, I think you're talking out of your ass. And then we see instantly Paul must do away with him. And luckily there's just, he just, you know, happens to be a conveniently placed wasp. <laughs> when really, what when really yes. what happens is that it sounds like, like, you know, in, in between shooting, Eric still stuck, stuck off set, called his agent, like, you get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> Please, I'll, I'll swallow a wasp. Whatever it takes, just get me off of this movie. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, listen, uh, uh, Eric's not too happy. Can you, can you maybe just write him, write his character out of the script? <laughs> Just have him go sleepy time night. Yeah, just just have his character just disappear for for about two thirds of the movie. So yeah, so like Paul gets all pissed off, and they're like trying to film the snake totem, and he jumps into footage like I'm I'm right, I'm right, I'm not wrong. He's like a Reply Guy culture, like on two legs. <laughs> uh, he's just fucking scowling constantly, and you have to, you kind of have to wonder. Is he scowling because it's a character choice or because he's been placed within 50 yards of a minority? <laughs> That's a good question. Because he's definitely not number one on this call sheet. So he's feeling the sting to a certain degree. 
No, I, I do. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that this was a this was a character choice. It was a terrible fucking character choice for a terrible fucking character. But he, oh, every I mean, every single thing, every single choice he made for this character <laughs> is is just awful and wrong. So this is the moment. Uh, we've come to the moment when finally Denise and Gary, uh, played by Owen Wilson, decide we've had enough of this humidity and sweating, uh, and bugs. Let's get naked in the middle of the jungle. Now, Kari Wurr is barely wearing anything, whereas Owen Wilson appears to be wearing several people's worth of clothes. <laughs> but he's the only one that's dressed in a way that makes sense. Yes, he's actually kind of covering up, but he also looks like a couple of kids in an overcoat trying to pretend to be an adult. <laughs> well, wasn't he kind of at that point? Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, and they're surprised in, in the middle of uh, their potential lovemaking uh, by Paul with a gun who shoots just past their heads and lays out a boar. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's how we they end up having boar. It's what for it's what's for dinner, at least tomorrow night. <laughs> boar river style. <laughs> Uh, this is when we hear about the kenduru, um, and that's a, a vampire fish, more commonly. Um, I did some research, and while this did happen once, that that this fish did swim up someone's penis and just, like, weld itself there, it's not nearly as common as you might think, and I think it's really being done as a distraction for him putting a, a wasp inside of a an air tube, but I... Doesn't that wasp look too fucking big for that air tube? Oh, this wasp is like is, is enormous. It looks like what they took out of the girl's mouth in Sounds of the Lambs. <laughs> it is gigantic. What we don't know it's there uh, until you know Dr. Eric Stoltz goes in and tries to clear the propeller of all this junk. Uh, and he comes up yelling, oh, and everyone, including Jennifer Lopez, not her specifically, but her character, Terry, is shouting like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's, are you in trouble? Yeah, that's what someone waving their arms under the water means. Yeah, they're not going to be able to answer you if you're underwater. Yeah, it's like he's going to pop and go, yes, I am having a bit of trouble. Thank you for asking, Terry. That's not something's going to happen. So finally... They jump in. I, I do want to note that some of the underwater sequences here are some of my my favorite kind, which is a dive tank. You know, like we had one on the Universal lot that was painted blue. And they would you would use it for underwater sequences. It was just a, a glorified pool that you could uh, fill up with water and empty out very quickly. Um, it's used to great effect in the shadow if anyone's seen Alec Baldwin in The Shadow. That's <laughs> <laughs> my, it's the tour guide in me jumping the fuck out. And so they pull him out. Uh, John Voight performs a tracheotomy. Now this is the second on-screen tra- tracheotomy that we've experienced and the first successful one. So. Oh, as opposed to uh, the, the legacy. Yeah. The legacy <laughs> is unsuccessful. <laughs> Well, the, the legacy, it's like they, uh, they like, you know, popped into like a, uh, you know, a, a balloon filled with fake blood. It's just spraying everywhere. Like, 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 like here, it's just, you know, a little bit, got a little bit of trickle coming out. 
She also literally starts beneath his chin and works his way down to his collarbone. <laughs> You're supposed to just, it's one quick hole, everyone. You don't need to do that. He's stung by this wasp. His throat is closed. They perform a tracheotomy. It works. But along the way, you get this shot of John Voigt looking at Jennifer Lopez. And he, mm, I don't want to be lusted at by John Voigt. It, that is the most frightening this film gets. Yeah, he's about ready to be like, eh, like licking his lips <laughs> at her. <laughs> la, la. <laughs> Or he's gonna make that like you know like the the the, the two fingered B motion with his tongue in between. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Now I'm seeing it in my head. <laughs> you just you just put down your pocket and take it with you. No, I don't. My no. my gift to you. I need a Brillo pad or something and a stick so I can put it in in between my ears and just kind of wiggle it around and hope that it comes out. A a sign of how much I treasure our friendship. (laughs) Like you don't like me at all. (laughs) Well, I mean, I put put the image in my head too, so technically. (laughs) It's true. Um, And so once this happens, they determine we can't continue on. We're going to have to turn back because Dr. Eric Stoltz needs medical help. So uh, they head back and uh, immediately John Voigt's like, well, we could, we can double back or we could head through this particular river, which I suggested earlier and everyone's called my bullshit. And that will save us 50 kilometers and we'll get there faster. And everyone's like, oh, this sounds like a bad idea. And Terry's like, we got to do it. It's our only choice. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, everybody oh. kind of like cedes control to to John Boyd's character very quickly. Oh, he, he has a, a way. I mean, he literally starts just picking people off on this boat. And they have no willpower whatsoever. That includes him pulling over and like finding a boat and finding some dynamite. And then they're like, okay, we're going to blow up this gate that's in our way of going down this forbidden river that we definitely have to go down. And I'm today years old when I learned that wet dynamite still works because the chemical mixture that makes it explosive also provides it with its own oxygen supply. I see. That's just, people say, this show is uninformative. I feel stupider listening to it. Well, what do you say now, pal? <laughs> but when they blow up this this wall gate, beta snakes just fly everywhere, including on, on uh, Westfield's finger. And he's, oh, my fingy. It's got a beba snack on it. Please take off the beba snack. Yeah, much like the uh, the gentleman in Slugs who who was rendered incapable of taking a glove off. <laughs> Rather than try to pull the snake off himself, he's just staring at the snake, like, hanging off of his finger. Won't someone do something about this one occupied finger while nine other and in a completely different hand can't do anything about it? Like, I mean, just for God's sake, just, 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 you know, fling your hand around. Yeah, smack it against a fucking wall already, for Christ's sakes. No, but Paul Voigt just gives a little squeeze on the jaws and flings it into the uh, water. And uh, everyone goes, well, this seems like a bad omen. Let's continue on. (laughs) This seems like a bad omen. (laughs) Let us proceed. I did not look up, and perhaps you know, 
I was unfamiliar with the work of Louis Losa, the director of this motion picture. I, I've seen the name. Um, let me let me uh, to the Wikipedia's. Hold on one second. Yes. Well, oh, he directed the Specalecalist, the Specialist, with uh, with uh, Sharon Stone and Sylvester Stallone. I think he did a lot of middling '90s uh, like action action type stuff. Yeah, I would I would call middling his 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 finest moment here. Uh, yeah, he did things like Crime Zone, Sniper, Eight Hundred Leagues Down the Amazon, which is and Fire on the Amazon. This is probably what got him the the gig here yeah uh and then the specialist <laughs> which is not a good film and features one of the most uncommon and coming off of 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 our last film one of the most uncomfortable sex scenes i've ever seen in my life <laughs> god in the specials between sharon stone and, and sylvester stallone they are just in a shower flexing as hard as they can just it doesn't it seems like they're under some sort of atmospheric pressure rather than having sex <laughs> it's very odd but yeah he did this uh and then really didn't do another movie for years which which is odd like almost a decade before he had another film which seems odd because this was kind of a hit and uh then he said bye-bye to the business for whatever reason. Well, I feel like it's one of those movies that was a hit in spite of its direction. Yes. I mean, certainly you have Jennifer Lopez, who was right on the edge of being an it girl at the time. You're, you're right on the edge of like, she's about to be that sort of all around performer because she's going to be releasing albums and she was on television and now she's in movies. She's on fashion covers. Like she does it all. Well, yeah, it's, it's that. And it's also, as I mentioned earlier, this, you know, several year, you know, cluster of, you know, revival, revival and disaster movies. Yes. Um, and they all did. All of them did well. Yeah, but and, you know you're not going to look at anyone and say you know you know, boy volcano sure was capably directed. <laughs> I mean volcano is no Dante's Peak in which they boil a grandmother while she pushes a rowboat. No, they just boiled John Carroll Lynch instead. <laughs> I mean, I do like I do like in 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 Dante's Peak how. Uh, you know, the grandma, like her, her legs are like, you know, two little pencil nubs when she gets out of the water. That That's a, that's a pretty great, that's a pretty great effect. It's, it's the only thing I remember from that movie. Uh, and then they converted the ice tunnel, which was used to fantastic effect in the $6 million man. They converted it into Dante's peak in which it was a volcano that swirled around you. And then after that, it became the mummy's tomb in which a mummy's tomb swirled around you. Okay, that's cool. And, and now it doesn't exist. Now it's a Fast and Furious ride. Ah. Uh, it, oh, my God. That Fast and Furious. <laughs> no one is acting with the exception of, of The Rock. Dwayne shows up and absolutely nails his job. But once you get inside of the attraction, you have a bunch of the Fast and Furious people. And they're kind of like... I don't know. Do you want me to stand and talk aloud? You better slip me an extra 50. There's no performance going on. They're just like, uh, 
Why don't you go ahead and we're going to keep you safe, all right? Okay. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Wonderful work, everyone. <laughs> like, if I, if I were forced to be a guide again and had to go through that five times a day, oh, my God. I don't know what I'd do with myself. I'd probably disassociate like I did before where I could literally go around the entire studio tour with my eyes closed, with sunglasses on, and drink white wine out of a water bottle. (laughs) (laughs) It worked. Worked like a charm. Anyways, what were we talking about again? Oh, yeah, the director of Anaconda. Louis Losa has not met a single Dutch angle that he doesn't like. Oh, no, no, no loves the fuck out of these dutch angles yeah i i don't i i don't know what the purpose of it is i i just mm-hmm. feel like you know you batman's gonna step into frame and and start <laughs> punching the riddler yeah sure yeah and henchman number one and henchman number two are gonna get it from robin yeah absolutely <laughs> but they find this abandoned boat and they're like somewhere during the explosion they lost the majority of their fuel <laughs> sure Okay. Yeah, I miss I miss that. Like, why are they running out of fuel? That doesn't seem very efficient. But who wants to hunt? But just to sidestep this for a second, because what we need is another digression. If you are down to one thing of fuel and you think I can barely make it to this one port where the hospital is, why does Paul think I have more than enough fuel to hunt this snake? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> Did I just blow your mind about 1997's Anaconda? I think you did. All right. Well, job done. Um, Gina, where can find find you on these areas? I mean, honestly, everybody just gets eaten by snakes. I mean, there's, you know, there's there's not really much variation in in, in, in the deaths here, so... It depends on whether or not you want to launch yourself into the air to do it, or you want to be caught in the water or on the ground. Like there's no variation to it. So there's really no choose your own death venture here. Speaking of which, Mateo gets a face full of snack and then his neck is snapped for. Yeah. Cause, cause the snake's fun. also, the snake's also a ninja. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, it's also an assassin. It's absolutely a trained assassin by the hand or the foot. Doesn't matter which. It's wearing a little hood. Yeah. <laughs> it has ninja stars like my next door neighbor <laughs> growing up. Um, and this sequence points out one of the things, like the puppet stuff I find adorable. And the CGI shots look like something on a sci-fi series circa 1997. Oh, yeah. It does not look good. Yeah, the CGI is terrible. Yes. It really is bad. Uh, I just have down here one word, and it says "explode." <laughs> I'm sure that had something to do with it. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it's the way John Voight said it. Uh, but yeah, this whole movie has lots of "explode." Yeah, he says it's going to explode. Yeah. At one point, everyone's complaining about like this is a bad idea. Now Mateo's been killed. You know, we should, we we have to find a way out of this, and and Paul's like, we just got to go forward, and they're like, no, we need to go back, and he goes, what are you? Why are you complaining? I didn't eat the captain. No, <laughs> you served up the captain on a plate, hero. I do Fucking like asshole. I, I do like that line. No, I didn't eat the captain. <laughs> 
why, why can you possibly blame me for putting him in harm's way multiple times and let, knowing that there's a gigantic snake that I would like to capture? Is this a, Speak- is this a, is this a point where uh, Owen Wilson decides, you know, yeah, I think I would like to hold my friends at gunpoint for some money. Yes. Uh, I have in quotes. So this must be John Voight speaking. Maybe a million dollars, Gary. <laughs> dollars. <laughs> dollars. <laughs> briefly, briefly becomes the movie in his accent. Um, but yeah, he adds an SH to dollars, which is something new to me. Uh, and yeah, this is a problem we've encountered before. But what is the clearest line between dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign, and wrangling a documentary film crew to capture if capture a 40 40 foot snake like he kind of has to kidnap half the crew to do this job that he barely has any fuel to accomplish well luckily like like we said earlier it is incredibly easy to kidnap these people and and you know make them do your will yes for one westfield westbrook british man Get smacked in the face twice, and he's like, "I'll just, do, I'll do. Please don't hit me again. I, I will do anything you ask me to do." It takes him way too long to try to overtake him. Yes, like I think, I think Gary is already dead by the time <laughs> this this happens. I think, well, gee, maybe we ought to like you know, you know, incapacitate him. Oh, yes. you think so? That might be a good idea. Yeah, that might be super awesome idea. I, I counted. JLo has the gun and it's taken out of her hands by uh by John Voigt four separate times. <laughs> she cannot hold on to this gun. He just grabs the barrel, and you would think like the third time you would learn how to pull the trigger. But no. She just four times they just nerf the hell out of JLo. Yeah, they they it takes hours for them to to come up with a plan on how they're how they're going to to incapacitate him. And yeah. then, and then, Patrick, they <laughs> keep him on the boat. Well, the one time they hit him over the head with golf clubs. Uh, then they tie him to a post. But wait, we're missing Gary getting eaten at some point. Gary. Yeah, uh, we, we get we get we get a view of uh, Gary, both, you know, a, a, a you know, snake tummy view of Gary, <laughs> of Gary getting at. Yes. And then we get a, uh, uh, which is uh, a practical effect. Um, oh boy! And then we get CGI of of the snake from the outside, where you could see you could see the outline of Gary, and it's like, oh yeah. my god, come on! No, it's it's it maybe the worst shot in this entire motion picture is the view of Gary from outside the snake as the snake swims. Uh, this leads to Denise absolutely losing it. Uh, oh wait a second! Uh, we got we forgot. I forgot. Um, we get a sequence in which Terry has an idea, and this is the one thing that I like. So, you figure the movie has treated her as a complete dumbass up until this point. So her putting on some lipstick and going, "Hey, Paul, why don't you instead of hunting for a snake, why don't you use the one you have with me?" And they kiss and. That is the second biggest jump scare. (laughs) And then Ice Cube tries to hit him with a bat. And you're like, oh, it was it was a fake out. And then in comes uh, Westfield and he hits him with a golf club. They they had a backup plan. Like 
You all right, Terry Smart. This is something I like. But then they keep him on the boat. They tie him up to a post so that later on, when they get uh, grounded near a waterfall, he can have this big rigmarole where Carrie Wurr's character, Denise, is like, I got to catch a knife and I'm going to kill you. And you have to view this as Paul is on the ground. He's seated on his butt. His hands are tied behind his back and his ankles are tied together. And somehow he has like some sort of Jordan-like vertical leap where he springs up using this pole and grabs Kari Wurr with his legs and wrestles her and snaps her neck. He's Xenia on a top sort of death. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also the only thing I remember about that movie. (laughs) You're fine. You, You did well. Yeah, so that is it for Denise. So that that that's one different death, I guess, is like you could either shoot yourself in the head or you could get Xena on the top of yourself from, from I mean, you had to, you, you could be crushed, together. you could be you could be crushed between John Boyd's sweaty thighs. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm I, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to place my bets on the snake. I you know what? Let's go out on a limb. I'm shooting myself. I'm fucking shooting myself. Spoiler alert for Choose Your Own Death Venture. There's no way I'm getting eaten and regurgitated by a fucking snake or being trapped in John Voight's thighs. That is not <laughs> happening to me. That is a no way out situation. I That is what you are facing at the end of the mist. Like, nuh-uh. You just got to make a fucking decision. So in the middle of this, like the, the boat is trapped. So they use these ropes at two different anchor points. And as they're swimming back, oh no, snack. So Westridge like slaps the water and goes, oh, come after me. And then the snake does. And he's like, oh, fuck. And he climbs up a waterfall because <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another thing that's, that's, that, you know, this movie struggles with is, is pacing. Yeah. In that, like, nothing happens for the first half an hour. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you know, one or two things happen, you know, over the course of the next half hour. And then, like, everything happens the last 20 minutes. Yes. Everything happens. Like, at this point, I'm, I'm down to, like, short sentences. Like, Ice Cube battles a tree. Like, that, <laughs> that happens. They're trying to get back to the boat. And he's like, ah, oh, a tree. I'm caught on this tree. This underwater tree and you're like come on man like why do we why why do it's not like he's stupid it's the movie is stupid for doing that to him right i i don't know what i expected but i expected something more anyways danny gets bit by snack um and he's only saved by denise's corpse uh and then terry gets the fucking she shoots that snake and then she gets hurt the 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 gun taken away from her again by John Voight. It just never stops. <laughs> he's just like, flip, just takes a snap of the right of her hand. Yes. And then he's like, aha, I got both of you. And then out of nowhere comes Dr. Eric Stoltz. And he jabs Paul with a tranquilizer dart. And he falls into the water. I like and how, I like how uh, Paul is like, the dart. <laughs> Constantly scowling. 
And then Danny says, I'll get us out of here. Uh, and then we're treated to something I just noticed. I mean, this is the second time I've ever seen this movie. I don't know. I noticed it the first time. But instead of having the boat back away, they just reversed the footage of the boat coming in. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> well, the waterfall is, the only reason I know is the waterfall is going backwards. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we forgot to mention that Wadsworth, whatever the hell this thing is. <laughs> oh, yeah, it gets snatched out of midair. Yeah, oh, that's, to... yeah, that's also something I'm pretty sure snakes don't do is kind of like, blip, like catch you, like, like, you know, you were like, you know, you, you you've had a baby, you know, they, they kind of fall and that sort of like put your, you know, your forearm out to catch mm-hmm. them. This is kind of what mm-hmm. the, what the snake does to, to, to Wentworth. Yeah. It just coils them up real quick. I mean, not even the jungle book attempts to be that fast and loose with, with uh, physics. Yeah, no. <laughs> and that snake, could, and that snake could hypnotize people. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And talk uh, adorably. So, uh, so we finally arrive at port third act where the movie is like, we're sick of filming on location. Let's go to uh, some sort of indoor studio in Hollywood and just like get out of the heat already. I I can't blame them. I can't blame them. No, you can't. So they arrive at this old factory of some kind that someone built in the middle of the Amazon jungle. It's a paper factory. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Where all the mercury went to uh, make everyone big. Worlds collide. Yes, finally. Uh, and there's lots of tilting camera angles. And wouldn't you know it, but Paul followed them there. How? I don't know. Maybe like Scooby-Doo, he ran so fast that he glided on top of the water. I don't fucking know. I mean, he I just, I mean, it kind of implies he just sort of swam there. Like, just, you know, <laughs> followed him, you know, followed him in the boat. Why the snake didn't get him? Who knows? Who knows? Who can say? Like, that's not the, the way the snake wants to eat him. He wants it a different way, I guess. So, yeah, he manages to knock them both out with a rifle after they find some more fuel. Then he he ties them up uh, back to back with some duct tape or something. I'm not sure what. But he then picks up a bucket and gives them the full carry with a bunch of monkey blood. And then he goes, monkey blood. How easy do you think it is to get a full bucket of monkey blood? That's a lot of monkeys. It's a I mean, you, you need more than one. You can't just ring out one monkey to get a full bucket of blood. I'll tell you that right now. I was going to say, your juice knows things like oranges. <laughs> just like, you know, uh, spinning them around and wringing them like a, a towel in gym class before you snap somebody's butt. <laughs> So I've heard. Um, and so uh, the only way out of this is that uh, the snake, a separate snake now arrives. The big boy. The bigger boy. And snack two is like, all right, love the smell of monkey blood. Got to get, there's a twofer going on here. Got to get me some of that. So while all this is going on, after the snake kind of wraps them up, Paul goes, ha ha ha. Have you ever seen a little thing called Scooby-Doo? That's right. It's reference number three because we get this full-on Scooby-Doo net. He Scooby-Doo nets him. And the snake's like, no, no. And you're saying, Patrick, snakes can't talk. The one in this one does. Several snakes talk. Yeah, they they, they, they shriek. (laughs) Yes. They growl. Um, Yeah. 
they wail to the heavens. You know, uh, they demand your attention. You know, imagine, imagine. I, you know, I, I forgot. We, I forgot. I was going to bring this up uh, at the beginning of the show. How do we feel about snakes? Are you, are you, are you pro or anti snake? <laughs> you know what? Um, I probably, I don't want to live with one. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. But uh, the kiddo, uh, he has held giant snakes. Like there, he went through a period where he really liked giant snakes. And so for whatever reason, whether we were at a birthday party or the zoo or, an, you know, some sort of animal habitat, people would drape giant snakes on this kid. And he had zero fear of it. Just zero fear. Yeah, I've, I've done that. I've done that too. They are incredibly yeah. heavy. They're super heavy because they're all fucking muscle is what it comes down to. And they're weirdly dry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're just... They look wet because their scales are shiny because they're all roughed up from crawling along on the ground and shit. And they get a new skin every once in a while when they grow. I, uh, I, I like snakes. I would not keep one as a pet because they are, mm-hmm. they are a bit high maintenance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would not want to feed live mice to the snake because I would end up keeping the mice as pets and the snake would starve to death. I'm also not, I'm also not feeding freeze dried mice to them. Yeah, no, I, I just, I don't, I don't like to be able to identify the food I'm giving my pet. No, my, my dog gets, uh, 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 cubes, (laughs) cubes of mush. But I'm just thinking like, I'm just thinking like, imagine like, you know, if you kept a snake as a pet and and it just screamed all night. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, oh like you know, you're laying in bed, you know, you're about to turn into the night. And... <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> no. God damn it. You put that thing outside. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to wheel the entire aquarium You know, your, your neighbor's like, Hamilton, I heard that snake screaming again last night. <laughs> Listen, these are very expensive homes, and I didn't move all the way out here to hear your snake screaming all fucking night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Paul's got to tranquilize it. He spends precious seconds just, like, not shooting the snake. And so the anchor point for that net breaks, and now snack is loose and just bites the fuck out of Paul on the ground, on a ladder, the whole nine yards. Uh, at one point, uh, he's trying to escape, and Ice Cube stops him by raising the net again with his feet. Yeah, and, and, then, and Paul just looks absolutely confused. Like, what? What, what is this? What? What is it? What? How do nets work? Wait a <laughs> second. I mean, it's being held up by one guy's feet, and he's like, maybe I should apply my body weight to this, and then it will just come down, but he doesn't do it. What's this net doing here? Who put this net here? Yes. I mean, and then we come to the point where that everyone actually knows from this movie because they've watched it on YouTube uh, because we all enjoy watching John Voight bite the dust. And that is, he gets crushed. uh, The bones start to snap. His face blows up. And then we get the best shot in the entire movie. The POV of inside a snack as it starts to swallow him. Oh, right. It was him, not Gary. That got the, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Gary only got, we only got the the outside snake scene. (laughs) You don't want to give away the farm. Only one person could be seen from inside the snake. (laughs) 
But if you're saying, is that the last I'm ever going to see of Paul? The answer is no. He gets barfed up. Yeah, all I can say about the effect in this scene is, mm. do you remember um, some years ago, uh, free Twitter making things viral and stuff like that? Uh, mm. There was a thing about <laughs> this company that sold an entire chicken in a can. <laughs> I do vaguely remember. And, and just, you know, it was just covered in some sort of, I mean, it was really, the, the, the quote-unquote slime was really just like, 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 jelly broth that once you heated it up it would turn into like regular chicken broth sure, but yeah. but when you like when you slid this chicken out of this can with this slime around it it, yeah. it looked like very Cronenbergian and sure. and, and uh you know it looks like you know, you know a nightmare a pregnant woman has I'm being very evocative tonight I'm sorry <laughs> why are you trying to mind hurt me I don't what? know you're very vividly trying to mind. It's her. been a very, now, it's been a very weird week. It, yes, uh, and it's not over. No, it's, it's, only a, it's only Wednesday. But yeah, so like, like you know, he comes out. He's covered in like snake glop. Yeah, and he gives her a wink. He like winks at her. Like you know what I'm saying. You know what? I saw the inside of that snake, but now I'm out, baby. <laughs> now I'm a bunch of crushed, goopy bones. <laughs> And so they go through this whole rigmarole of like, we're going to lead the snake into a chimney and use the fuel that we have to blow it up. And they do that. Yeah, there's not much more to say after you know, seeing John White be regurgitated. <laughs> yeah, and we talked about the axe at the end. Like, the only other thing is that the snake is then on fire and gets into the river and decides not to put itself out. So we, we got another fucking original Freddy Krueger here. Yeah, he, he, like, he just gives, I'm on fire and I don't care. It just gives himself its own Viking funeral. <laughs> Listen, I may be on fire, but it's not going to stop me from atting you. I got I got to eat you. Uh, and so we get the full carry thing where it pops up through uh, a, a, a pier of some kind and j-lo's like oh, i can't do anything and my girl oh no and it's kind of like why like give her the final thing it's just dumb it's like i'm fine with ice cuban and, and and her living but she should have an active component in the snake dying like the the main heroic thing ice cube does is blow it up you either have to choose one you can <laughs> give him both right exactly um, and then Dr. Eric Stoltz wakes up. Why? And, Why is he still alive? His he, his his character is so pointless. But they he has to see the the tribe of the mist, and they have to be exploited. <laughs> so and Paul he, and Paul was right, up. which is like no, Paul was not right. <laughs> no, they heard the ex, the snake explosion, and they're like, "What the fuck is going on over there?" Perhaps we should row our boats out to see what's going on. Yeah, otherwise they would have said, miss you. Like, <laughs> we don't want to be found, assholes. And that's the end. Um, we Do you want to choose your own death venture? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, you know, none of them are really great. Um, no. Nope. Uh, I usually try not to. Uh, you know, sometimes we end up picking the same one. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll probably end up just, I mean, really, you know, I would just try to 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 swim to the shore. But right. since, since, since we can't, you know, we can't 
you do something that's not actually portrayed in the movie. Uh, the rules. Yeah. All right. Fine. I'm going to shoot myself too. It's the only option, Gina. Yeah. Like, no one blames you. It's the only option. Where can people find you on these here internets? I am uh, a writer at the spool.net. I cover movies and TV shows and I am on Twitter under porcelain seven do it today. People, check it out. We, of course, are on your Twitter, on your Facebook, on your Instagram. Uh, we're all sorts of places. Rate and review us on iTunes. Tell us what your favorite uh, Animal Attacks movie is. And we'll, we'll talk about it here on the show. That's our solemn promise to you, the Kill by Kill listener. Uh, don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. We got more for you next week. We're going to keep it wet. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Shark Night. <laughs> A movie that was released in 3D with uh, an end song that's a, a rap sum up of the the movie. Uh, but we won't be able to watch that because they've hidden that from us here in America. That's only available on Canada for some reason. How dare. I know. I want to hear this song. I'm going to find it and I'm going to transpose the lyrics to it. <laughs> and I'm going to say it out loud. That's just what I'm going to do. The body count will continue for myself and for Gina. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.